Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am sitting here with today's guest, Jimmy Pardo, and I'm on location. I'm at the Never Not Funny, oh my gosh, there's something in my throat. And I'm just going to keep pushing through because I'm a professional. You can talk. I know you're waiting for your introduction. This is it. I'm not saying where I was going to say I was in my, I wasn't saying anything. In my head, I was thinking, she's not going to acknowledge that. I would talk about me coughing up phlegm for the next 45 minutes, and I love that you weren't going to, but then you did. I had to. You had to. It was, I, it, we it all was heard getting it. worse by the second. Yes. So, you guys, hang on a second. <clears throat> Do you need the Heimlich? Not yet. Do you I'm, know how to give I'm the Heimlich? Stamp. Do I know how to give it? No. Will I attempt? Yes. Do you know CPR? Uh, no. So you don't know any emergency I took a CPR thing. class because when I had my son, you legally have to take one. You do. And uh, maybe it's not legal. Maybe it's just being a good parent. <laughs> right. um, but uh, if he uh, was going down, uh, I, I, he's, he's gone. Right. I would try, but I think I would probably crush his little chest. Maybe you should re-up your CPR because I also, it was uh, legally required, maybe, in high school that I get uh, certified in CPR. And Were you a lifeguard? No, I was just a high school student. It why makes w- no sense. Why would that be legally required to know CPR to learn algebra? Right? I don't know. I don't know. But I, what I remember is it expired after like a year in case like, they changed the CPR and Heimlich techniques. Maybe they have over the years. Maybe it, they don't use that chair technique anymore. Right. That that's what you're supposed to do if with you're alone. a... Oh, I thought that was... Yes, if right. If you're alone, because I, I know when I'm choking, the first thing I do is look for furniture. <laughs> right. And then I want to jam that into my gut as I'm trying to you know save my last breath. Yeah. I actually uh, was on the receiving end of the Heimlich maneuver when I was a child. Let me hear more about this, if I may. Am I allowed to ask questions on yes, your program? Yes, you are. You are. You I want are. to know just as much about you as you do me. Perfect. So where were you? You're at a sandwich shop. No, no. I picture it. I'm in Orange County, California. Okay. I was four years old, about. It was Halloween. I was sucking on a Lifesaver, which has the hole in the center. So it is supposed to be something that you can't really choke on because even if it lodges in your throat, it's got that hole. I'm not clear whether Lifesaver has dual meanings or if I always thought it did. It might just be the, you know, thing It's shaped like a Lifesaver, yeah. Right. But I thought it also had something to do with the hole in the center. Well, that would mean... I might be making that up. It would mean that it would have to go down perfectly flat down your throat for that air to still pass through. So because if it's lodged this way, that hole doesn't matter. Although maybe it was if you're trying to get any air out. Well... Is this visual helping at all? That's... I mean, for me, it is. That's what happened, I guess. It was lime. Right, so it was a lime lifesaver. It was Halloween. I'm in the kitchen, and suddenly I can't breathe. I don't remember that part. What I remember is my dad um, heimlicking me and just this, like, the the discomfort of a fist being pulled into my chest. Yeah. But then there was a lot of coughing. Lifesaver threw across, flew across the kitchen, and I could breathe again. You know, considering how dramatic... And life and death, this story is. It's surprising I've never told it on air before. Is that right? I've never, never, ever. I don't even think about it often. I Maybe I've repressed it until right but now. But it doesn't sound like it's something to repress. It doesn't sound like uh, it was a traumatic. It, was a, it wasn't traumatic. 
And I, and actually, a lifesaver is one of those things where if like then you just drank like some warm uh, water or something, it would have melted the, the the candy. So you were really never in any danger. You're right. You're right. Why didn't someone think of handing me a cup of boiling boil water? water. <laughs> hey, they, well, they've already given you candy. There's already bad parenting in the house. So uh, I was given the Heimlich uh, within the last six years. What happened? I have a thing in my esophagus where there's a some sort of a ring. We all have it, and it's all a matter mm-hmm. of, uh, of if it gets inflamed. And mine got inflamed, so it. I'm going to sneeze. I'm not yawning. I'm fascinated. You have to know <laughs> that that's not how to pronounce that word. And B, of course you. Uh, I was it was at a uh, Boston Chicken, and uh, whenever I have chicken or turkey uh, or potatoes of some sort, if I eat them too quickly, I, uh, those are the three that get caught. Mm. And at the Boston Chicken, I literally I had fear in my eyes. And I could not breathe and because uh, it was stuck by that ring. Right. And my friend Mike Schmidt, who is a gigantic yeah, human being. boy, right? Right. Humongous. He's six foot something and weighs 300. I'm like, I don't know if he's lost weight, but right. uh, but he's he came up behind me. Fella. And like I'm like a little pixie stick in his arms. And <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, you're embarrassed. You know, I'm in yeah. a public restaurant and I'm, my friend had to give me the Heimlich. And uh, thank God he did. Uh, one time I was at Dupar's and uh, a stranger Thought he had to give me the Heimlich uh, for the same thing. I've since had surgery to have that fixed. What did they do? Uh, they go down. They give you an endoscopy, and they go down, mm-hmm. and they uh, cut that little ring out. Uh, but then that ring can grow back. And uh, September 26th, I'm going to get that surgery again. Wow. Look at that. What is that ring? You say it's something that everyone has. Do you know? No. It's okay. No, no. I no, would it, think you would research your ring more. Can I tell you something? Yes. Uh, I saw the doctor yesterday. I read a piece of paper. Uh, the same piece of paper that I read the first time I had the surgery, uh, surgery, he explained it to me and I went, great. So 26, we'll get it done then. Like I, he told me everything, mm-hmm. not even 24 hours ago. And I don't remember a word of it. You're so trusting. I just want it to be done. I just want it, you know, as, as long as, oh, okay. So that on that Friday, be here at eight o'clock and you're going to fix this problem. Great. Whatever you got to do. Right. So whatever. Yeah. Now, when you needed the Heimlich from Mike Schmidt, were you gesturing to him? Were you make, making any sort of I'm choking gestures? I think Mike or was looking just... excited to do it. I think he was – honestly, I think it was like, oh, you're choking? I'm like, like, he couldn't wait. Like, he was a little too anxious to give me the highlight <laughs> uh, because this uh, – I don't know if I needed it, but I'm glad that he gave it. Uh, uh, I don't know if he saved my life. I think it would have uh, – Does he act like he did? To this day, walks around with a ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's happening again, this, the thing in my throat, and that... Uh, Hold on, what? let's get you water. Well, I actually have a drink over here. Oh, okay. But you know when you get something in your throat and you feel like it's going to take... Like, I need... Now's when I need the boiling water. Do you want me to go get you some boiling no, water? No, I don't. That I, I was just saying, that's just the, the strength of the phlegm in my throat. Let's not start off on such a f- phlegmatic topic, though. <laughs> Ooh, when you... I, you know what? I should cough when you play that, and that'll disguise my clearing my throat. You could just give me some kind of signal. And, and then you can like, cut it out? Well, no, no, I'll just mask it with oh, sound. Oh, okay. Like, Here, this is how it's going to go. One, two, three. Now <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> that's good podcasting. That is good podcasting. It's award winning. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's still there. Oh, my God, I'm very good. Do, do you want to take a break? No, no, no. You're going to plow through. I'm going to plow through. Here's the thing. I didn't get a chance to fully explain why we are on location in the Never Not Funny Studios. In a seat. Oh, my God. Are you all right? Yeah, it's just, you know, 
Could could everything go wrong? <laughs> what do you got? The phone? The a phone call and a text. Oh, it's a text. It's a text. You'll be yeah. Right. Uh, but so anyway, I've been here as a guest before. That's right. And now here I am. Having you on my show. And Tables we're, have turned. I know. And yet I'm in the same seat. It's interesting. You you stay in the pole position. Smart. Is that the, is, is this seat. the pole position? Well, for you it is. I think feng shui-wise, that's the power seat. Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't know so. anything about feng shui. It's yeah. Asian in nature and I try to avoid it. The, the way that you can tell is that you make up an answer and then tell it to someone and that is feng shui. Oh. So I say. Then yes. Oh, that's the power seat. Yes. Although I do have my back to the wall. That's, that's why I wonder. Yeah, like, this I, actually, you're vulnerable. And I would see it happening. So if somebody charged through that door right now, or the door behind me, right? Well, certainly, I'm dead if they come behind. Yeah. Me. Uh, that door, they charge in, they attack me. Right. This is not the power seat. No. Ooh, maybe Jeff's in the power seat. Actually, I think you he can is. see I'm, everything. I'm in the most defensible seat because I have my back in the corner. Right. But you're like baby. I am baby. Nobody <laughs> puts baby in the corner. But I always thought that the the seat that or the position that was farthest from the door is the power seat. Uh, I figure that's the main door. That for, is for the podcast listeners, I'm pointing in. I know we're going to have to include some kind of plot of the room. I'm um, here, by the way, just so that you know why I chose this seat. Uh, yeah. Because I'm nuts and I need um, space around me. I would be very claustrophobic where Jeff is, and even that, like to your right, uh, that wall is too close. Uh, I would feel uh, restrained. I would uh, very constricted. Right. And so this is. Uh, I, Breezy I never, and I, roomy. I, I never do this. I don't need to do jumping jacks, but uh, I need the room. Okay. So, yeah, I'm crazy. That's why this is the, my seat of choice. I feel like I'm being swaddled, and I like it. Right. It's it's wo- womb-like over mm. there. There's so much going on. Jeff's shirt is very loud, and we're going <laughs> to have to circle back to that in a bit. I can we're filter gonna, that out. We're going to have to talk. <laughs> we're going to need some shirt tone. We're going to have to talk about your claustrophobia, but first, let's get to we're here because you are are, in your words, deathly allergic yes. to pets. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking in, you were on your way out to get an allergy pill. That's right. I would like to know, what kind of allergy pill do you take? I took uh, Zyrtec, uh, a generic version of Zyrtec. That's what I take. Look at that. Uh, from in day the... one, you and I connected, and this is more proof of it. I know. Do Is it in the green bottle? The green-esque bottle. Well, no, because I buy the generic. So I no, get this is the... generic. That's what I'm saying. The green, but... I thought Zyrtec came in the green. The, the name brand came green. Whatever I have is not name brand. But it's uh, but it comes in the green? I think so. No, mine comes in a just uh, like a white uh, from Target, you know, uh mm-hmm. you know, it's not Ranitidine, it's uh whatever it's uh, whatever the Ranitidine's for your tummy tum. Cetratazine or yeah. something. I don't know. Just, in, a just in the white. Yeah, but uh, okay. Well, and now this I'm an is old where man. Our bonding ends because oh. I think that mine is a white bottle with a green label. Not important. Anyway, though, have you always been deathly allergic to pets? Oh, what yes. Happens? What we happens used to when you're near one? Dig this. And I, I don't uh, know why I'm a hippie. I, mm-hmm. uh, growing up as a child on the south side of Chicago, uh, we did not have a uh, color television. We had a black and white television. And back when I, I'm much older than the two of you, uh, The Wizard of Oz was a huge deal. When that would air, it was a huge, like, the, you know, the town would shut down and everybody would go home to watch The Wizard of Oz. But we didn't have a color television. So we uh, would go across the street to our friends who had a color television to watch The Wizard of Oz, but they also had a collie. So uh, what we would have to do 
is we would watch the first part, the black and white part of the Wizard of Oz at our house because uh, it didn't matter. Then we would run over there <laughs> to watch the color and then tolerate that. And then when I would get sick, uh, I would uh, kind of watch it through the screen. Um, my throat so long-windedly. And so I've been dealing with it since I was a child. Yeah. And my throat uh, closes up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I wheeze and asthmatic uh, things happen. And it uh, still happens to this day. Uh, if I'm around dogs, it's bad. Cats, I can tolerate a little bit longer. Uh, but dogs are uh, within minutes. Uh, I'm taking shots now, though. I've waited mm-hmm. till I was uh, my age to start taking shots to try to solve this. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's a waste of my time. I kind of, uh, that's always been my sense of them as well. But you're still doing it. I'm doing it because I'm hoping that, like, by you know, they say, well, you know, it takes a year or something to kick in, uh, and you got to do it on a regular basis. But I I still, I go to my uh, in-laws, and they have a dog, and okay, got to go. And it's like, now part of it's good, Mm -hmm. because I don't have to, uh, A, go to your home. Uh, Right. It's, I mean, how convenient that everyone comes to you and then gets something stuck in their throat. My, that's not on me. The throat thing is it on might you. Be. Nope. Okay. Nope. I will take no credit for that. Uh, but it is great for parties and stuff like people's houses. That like, like if my son has a birthday party, it's like, oh, it's over at so and so's. Oh, they have, oh, they have a dog, right? And then I don't have to talk to other parents from the school who, right. uh, you know, I can't be funny around because they don't understand that I'm a comedian. They understand it, but they don't understand mm-hmm. real comedy. They right. Think everything should be a knock knock joke, so you can't talk to people, and uh, so I avoid it. Tears of a clown. Smokey Robinson. How isolated you must feel. No, not at all. Just the opposite. I feel free and refreshed. <laughs> um, now, does your son have this allergy? No, he does not. He is allergic to some foods, but not uh, the animals. Okay. He must want an animal. He wants a cat. And I would want a cat, too. I love him. I love cats. There's nothing more adorable than a kitten to me, and I would love to have a little kitten. Uh, but I can't. I can't. I can't. And, uh, you know, it would be a lifetime of discomfort. It would be. Yeah. And then, you know, it also makes the house smell. And uh, I've got some other OCD issues that wouldn't allow that. And uh, But all their little faces poking out. Oh, I know. Right? And, so cute. You pet their little heads and their little paws when you bat around with their little paws. Aww. I love everything about a cat. But I can't. Uh, I had them growing up because you tolerate it. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. you become immune to it. But then, like, my mother has a cat now. If I walk in, I'm dead within seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I have a cat allergy, but I don't think it's as severe as yours. But I will, like, my eyes get really itchy, and my the roof of my mouth starts itching, and everything gets watery. And it's yeah, it's a super like it just makes you want to go. Ugh! Yeah, you have to make noises and scrunch your whole body. People who suffer severe allergies will know what I'm talking about. Other people won't, but perhaps people who have OCD, which is you, will. Yes, let's delve into that. Really? Mm-hmm. Your call. Your Let's program. I'm your new best friend. That's right. Let's talk about the OCD. What when did it first come out and in what way? You know, it's, uh, I don't know the exact answer to that, but here, here's the here's what I know. I know, uh, and I, I OCD for me is like an umbrella of kind of all my neuroses. I kind of just say OCD because I do like everything in its place. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't like, uh, I like cleanliness. I don't like. Uh, oh, right. You're kind of a germaphobe, right? Okay. I'm sounded, recalling something sounded, with sounded mean the way you said it. No, I meant I was celebrating it <laughs> no, no. with an intensity in my voice. I, uh, it sounded mean. I'm remembering something involving hand sanitizer, which I'm staring at right now. When right I was there. on the show. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I used to not be, 
And then I, I worked with a comedian, Tammy uh, Pescatelli, who, uh, as soon as she was done meeting and greeting the people after the show, uh, she used uh, Purell to clean her hands. And I was like, hey, that's a great idea. And it may have led me down a path of where now I, you know, like when you guys leave, I'll, I'll do it. And it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't do that my whole life and I was fine. And now I do it like a nut job. Right. Um, you know, I can't really, uh, I, I, I uh, and again, this is the overall OCD umbrella for me. And I know, again, it's mostly neuroses. I used to be able to sit in the middle seat of an airplane. Who cares? And now I can't. Mm-hmm. I have to be on the aisle. It can't even be the window. It has to be the aisle. Uh, is a, that that same claustrophobia feeling? It is. And in the movie theater, I have to sit on the aisle. At a, like I went to a baseball game last night. Uh, I had to sit on the aisle. And uh, like I just can't. Like There's all these weird things in my, that I, uh, make me me. I'm a have to sit on the aisle person, too. And partly it's that feeling of being trapped, but also it's just I want to be able to get up and go to the bathroom that's if it. I need to. On the plane, that's I know that's what it is for me. Yeah, I know, but I know, but I, but also like if it, it, but in this day and age, like even on a flight to Vegas, which is nothing, if I some something goes wrong and it doesn't because I book my flights way in advance so this doesn't happen. But if mm-hmm. something like if I go standby and they go, well, we can get you on, you can get home seven hours sooner if you sit in the middle seat. Ugh. It's a breakdown in my head. I'll be, no, I'll wait. Then then I'll go. Dummy, get home to your son and tolerate it. And then I just like I literally I, I I sit in that seat in a panic, like just like why am I, I can't take the please and please and so uh, I would rather uh, not deal with that. And when did that start coming out? That's new. That's new. How recent? Let's call it the last five years. Hmm. That 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 is maybe maybe more. My wife will probably tell you it's longer than that. But I again. Like in the old days, uh, if I was flying back to Chicago and, uh, you know, when I had no money and Southwest was actually a reasonably priced airline and for $69 I'd fly back to Chicago, great, whatever seat, whatever, didn't care. Now it would be like, nope, I'm going to get there four hours early. I'll be the first guy in line and I'm making sure that I don't have that situation. Have you figured out or do you have a sense of what what caused it to emerge? I don't. I Hmm. don't. I don't, and I would, I would deal with this in therapy, but I don't uh, like to bring up anything in my personal life in therapy. What do you do, jokes? <laughs> you know <laughs> what? We spent I, – I, I've actually since stopped going but because uh, uh, it was getting to where we're talking about movies. And we're talking about like, <laughs> you know, what did you do this week? And like nothing about like my life. It was mm-hmm. it was very strange about how I just was going there uh, like just to go there. Like, right. Uh, it was uh, – very did, odd. Did you feel as if you had stuff you could have been talking about, but you... <gasps> oh, true. Yes. You just yes, elected I'm not to. Nuts. Uh, <laughs> I just elected not to. I got... You know, part of it was I liked the idea of going somewhere for an hour a week away from show business. And it was like, okay, good. I don't have to deal with any of the crap. My phone's not going to ring for this hour. I'm not going to uh, get... Uh, you know, uh, so no, nobody's going to call me about an audition. Nobody's going to call me about a, a meeting. No, mm-hmm. None of that for this hour. I don't. No, I'm not talking about. You got something going on? What's going on? You got heat? You got any heat? None of the BS that happens in this f town. Uh, so for that hour, it was that, and I kind of maybe embraced that too much. And then instead of using that time to work on myself, uh, I spent a little too much time talking about. Uh, uh, hey, I thought Planet of the Asians was a good remake. What you What you think? And your therapist didn't challenge you at all. Sure, of course, of course. But she kind of also knew. That I was there to kind of just escape for the hour. So, like, she probably thought, well, if that's his therapy, you know, this is he's getting it done. Mm-hmm. Like, he's getting away. He's getting away from this world like he wants to. Um, and then, then there's other issues uh, with my therapist where uh, she was a woman and I was very hesitant to discuss certain things in my life because I was talking to a woman. Sex. 
and Question. baseball card collecting. <laughs> Mostly the baseball card collecting. I felt foolish. No, yes, yeah, sex. I couldn't talk about. Yeah. I really couldn't talk about any of that. Like I couldn't talk about any of the really the stuff that screws us all up. I mm-hmm. felt like I almost felt like every even though I've been, I been I went to that woman for a lot of years. I felt like even after all the years, like I couldn't finally just go. Uh, I like this, and uh, or I don't like this, and I and I couldn't be honest. So it resulted in movie talk. It's really impossible for me not to follow that up with questions regarding what it is you like and don't like, even though I feel that that is crossing a line. You're not going to get an answer, uh, but it's not. I didn't mean even like sexually. I just meant like um, uh, maybe I did. Um, Sounds like you did. Yeah, probably. Sure. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. All right, this is what I'm going to throw out there. Yeah. Thus far, what we have learned is, there are, sexually speaking, there's things you like and things you don't like well, but that you would want, but, but, and that's true of everyone. Yes. But you would want to discuss them in therapy had you the right therapist. So you have some kind of angst or just questions about what you like and what you don't like, which we all do. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I can't. Uh, it's been so long since I've talked about this with or even was thinking about this that I don't even remember what my problem was with her like uh, with, with that I wanted to discuss with my therapist. But I know mm-hmm. it comes from my, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, uh, in my early days, my early single road comic days, I took advantage of that freedom. And then mm. once then you are married and monogamous, uh, there's issues. And uh, so dealing with that nonsense and right. trying to weigh all that in my head of, uh, boy, this is a topic that I'm obviously uh, not good at uh, articulating. <laughs> not good at, uh, I, it's my fault. I brought it up. And I am female. So here we are it's once all, again. Everything. Should I leave? Do you want to talk to Jeff about your sex life? I don't want to talk to Jeff at all. What? <laughs> I know the feeling. I get a lot of that. I mean, again, you brought. By the way, the shirt was one of those things. Like, look, I'm not Mr. Fashion Plate, but when you walked in, it's like one of those things. Like, I guess that's what he likes. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of that shirt. So, you mentioning it was such a relief for me as a human with eyes that I was. uh, Yes, if you have OCD, the shirt is your nightmare. But you know what? That doesn't. Let me explain Jeff's shirt. Yes, walk me through. I'll talk you through. I mean, I'll talk for you. Okay, so Jeff of late has been sporting a sports jacket. That's his new look. But the sports jacket, you stop me if I say anything I want to hear erroneous. Your I like yours better. The sports jacket allows for a pop of color yes. underneath. So plenty of shirts that perhaps would have been too wild and crazy before, he now can wear them again because they're under the jacket. Right. But it's such a hot day. This is where I'm going out on a limb. I'm assuming. It's see here, he's pulling the jacket on. See? Now it's just like the shirt is just a gigantic pocket square. Right. Pop yes. Of, I mean it's still loud, but See now. But, now it's but co- it is a, mo- it's a little muted. Yeah. It's a little muted right. now. So now I have this look and it's it's what I like to call business on the outside, luau on the inside. <laughs> That's what you call it. That's what I call and it. Now, one could argue. The other version is that I call it, I'm the head doctor at a Hawaiian mental institution. <laughs> Why is it a mental institution? Why not just a clinic of some sort where you're... You could be a dentist that's, that's in Orange funny. County. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so hot today, he had to, you know, let go of the exoskeleton and, and let the loud shirt be the main statement. But then why not? If, you, if this is your new bag, but you wear a sport coat, why the thick Gildan t-shirt underneath the loud shirt 
It's not that thick of a shirt. It's just a regular light undershirt. And really? It looks thick to me. No, no. It's, it's just an undershirt. It's not a T-shirt. Um, and that is because a lot of these shirts are blended materials, and they'll stick to you like a monkey. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. And then I'll stink up my nice vintage shirt, too. Is it Gildan, Gildan, or Gildan? It's not Gildan. You know That's a symbol. It's unwearable. I know. Are they a sponsor? No, they're not. No, the, it's the worst. I, 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 nothing infuriates me more. And I know I'm bouncing all over the place on it's you, and fine. I apologize. Nope. Uh, I find them to be the worst T-shirts in the world. And I think we all do. And but comedians and or bands always mm-hmm. use them because they buy them for four dollars, and then they go, "Well, then I charge fifteen, and I make the." I, Charge, buy it for eight and make less money and have respect for your fans. Yes. Well, and sell them a shirt that they might actually they might wear. wear. So many, like you put that on and it's like, it, it. you feel like you're just being suffocated because it's so thick and awful and ill-fitting. Yeah, Back they, to the suffocation. And they never soften up. You can wash them a hundred times. That's it. And it's still like. Hate it. Yeah. We Hate actually, we're, we're working on t-shirts for Allison right now. and We the, placed the order it was finalized this morning. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I believe the only two specifics that we came across were one, people said they liked American Apparel and two was anything but Gildan. Isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. I may have overstated my excitement and uh, confusion on that. Uh, <laughs> isn't that something? Yeah, and the topic you've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's only a few times in one's life that they come across something like that. Right there. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Yes. So these are the notes you got then. What an <laughs> a-hole I am. Uh, but I meant it. That's the bar I'm making fun of myself. Like, no, you're, 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 a, you're not alone. People hate those shirts. And I don't, I don't blame them. I've, I've ordered them for clients and regretted it. I'm so good. You know, I, uh, oh, who cares? This is an off the day. But to me, uh, you're the first two other than Matt that agrees with this. Other people are really? just they – don't, they don't care. Well, when you were talking about feeling claustrophobic earlier, I was going to say, do you ever feel claustrophobic in your clothing? Because that is one of my very early sense memories is feeling – like I've always – if I'm wearing layers and the seams aren't lined up, I begin to get really like fidgety and itchy and uncomfortable – and I wondered if you have that. And this kind of maybe relates to these boxy cardboardy shirts. I have it if it's uh, if it's a T-shirt that has um, somehow is tighter through here through the uh, the armpits, mm-hmm. uh, but yet loose through the gut. Uh, I feel like I, it's like oh, this shirt doesn't fit me, but in reality, it fits me beautifully. You know what I mean? Right. But it, it feels like it's like oh, I can't breathe. Yes. So yes, my answer to you is yes. Mm. What was your childhood like, Jimmy Pardo? Really? That's a legit question. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Wasn't good at sports. Chicago's a big sports town. That's a tough town to get along in if you're not a sports guy. I still tried to play baseball. Uh, sucked at it. Uh, I don't know. I, do you want the thumbnail? Do you want details? What do you want? I want um, the thumbnail, and then I'm going to go in for the details. Uh, you know, loved theater, loved choir. Um you know, uh, I was, I'm, I'm not the tallest man now. I was very tiny then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would make up for uh, uh, my inabilities in sports by being funny and charming people. So I would charm my way out of getting my ass kicked uh, because I would say something sarcastic to the bully and he wouldn't get it or he would get it. And either way, I'm going to, I would then use my words to charm my way out of him beating me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did okay with the girls early on because I was funny and charming and. Um, but I kind of was, uh, you know, um, I loved, and this is odd because there were some times that it wasn't great, but like between like second grade and eighth grade, I loved it. 
I kind of loved being a kid. And uh, while I didn't really fit in, I, I grew up in a place called Hometown, mm-hmm. which is uh, literally one mile by one mile. It's a little town, literally a, a street, a, 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 what are the, a guardrail away from Chicago. Like one side of the street is Chicago, the other side is Hometown. Such an uncreative name. Uh, it was made for the Korean War veterans, so how okay. dare you? Have, so, please have I'm respect sorry. for our soldiers. Take it back. Uh, it's a ridiculous name. Um, <laughs> but it was basically like this weird little Mayberry... But Chicago is literally across the street, but we all kind of knew each other. We all kind of, um, but yet I, I fit in and I didn't fit in. But my, uh, uh, I loved, like, that era of my life, I, I have great memories of. I, certainly some heartache and some, you know, uh, growing pains. And, uh, you know, kids didn't like me. And in in sixth, sixth grade was a nightmare. Nobody, uh, Jerry O'Connor, I'll say his name, put out the word that we should, nobody should be friends with Jim. Mm. And uh, 90% of the people went along with that. For how long? Sixth grade. The whole sixth grade. Whole sixth grade. Okay. I had, the girls were friends with me because they weren't, you know, they didn't follow Jerry, the, you know, the big man on campus's advice because at that point they're not trying to, you know, have sex with the with the football hero. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what he was? He was a, he was a uh, all around great athlete. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't great. He was great then. Right. You know what I mean? He sounds like a dick. Oh, I. Uh, uh, the worst. I, the fact that I still, I'm, I'm comfortable using his full name. Great. <laughs> You Have know, you he, looked him up? Do you know what he's doing You know, he, came, he saw me. At a, he was at a comedy club one night, and he came up to me, and he said, uh, Jimmy, Jerry O'Connor. I went, how you doing? <laughs> and just was like, that seems like enough. I don't, uh-huh. you know, you, no, you were a dick to me. Yeah. You you went out of your way to be a dick to me. Um, so sixth grade was rough, but I still was okay. I had friends and, and had uh, girlfriends, whatever that means at that age. Uh, seventh and eighth grade were great. Then I moved and went to a new high school, and... Um, you know, it, t- it took a while to find my footing, and I didn't really fit in. And then, you know, when I finally got involved in the theater and all that, then I made my friends there. But I still was like I- – I say this quite a bit. I, I was the guy who uh, – I wish I would have embraced what is now known as nerddom more. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have embraced that uh, I'm not the popular guy. I'm not the athlete. I'm, I am a, a theater – back in my day the theater queer is what we said but we didn't mean it negatively uh you know i was a theater guy i was a you know and 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 um i liked tv theme songs and i liked all the nonsense that you know that uh is now you know uh, worshipped was it even an option to embrace it then i don't think it was yeah i don't think it was but uh, um but then you know I, you know like like i got a i was the first guy in my high school to get a new wave haircut and i put <laughs> that in quotes uh, I ended up looking like a member of the Stray Cats, but it was an attempt to look like Simon LeBon. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the ridicule that I was like, because I was being different. I was the first guy to wear uh, designer jeans in my high school. Um, and I was made fun of for that. I wore, I was the first guy to, not, and by the way, I'm not saying that I'm some, you know, trendsetter. I'm just saying I, this, I wore uh, parachute pants and uh, made fun of. And then, of course, three months later, everybody's wearing parachute pants. Uh, again, I didn't set the trends. I just was. You were on the cutting edge. I was trying to be me, right, but then conform. scared to be me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like high school sucked. So my high school reunion, uh, no interest. My grade school reunion, I loved every second of it. Uh, and there's not a lot of grade school reunions, but we had one. Mm-hmm. But the high school one, I didn't even go to. I, I, we've had uh, some now. I won't say how many. Uh, yeah, I didn't I've done to, the same math with mine. Like, holy shit. That's how many we're up to now? It's crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, but I didn't go to the last one because – uh, the people that I kept in touch with, the people I liked, uh, come to my shows whenever I'm working in Chicago. So it's like I get to see them. And anybody else is like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You were a dick to me sophomore year. I don't need to be reminded that you were a dick to me. And, uh, you know, whatever. 
Do you still have some anger towards them? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I certainly have some anger towards Jerry O'Connor. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it sounds like I mean that's it. it's crazy that I have anger, and and then there was another guy. It was actually a, 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 I don't think it's crazy that I mean obviously the other day someone said to me I feel like you should forgive this person, and I was like oh but there's so much you know, <laughs> and they're like I know but do it for you, and like I get I get that I just don't know that I can do that when it comes to this particular situation, right? Um, so I get that maybe. If you didn't have anger at Jerry O'Connor, I keep keep wanting to say Jerry O'Connell, which is not the guy. It is not him, right? Maybe how nice for you to be, you know, freed from that anger. But it totally makes sense why you would have anger. He messed up your sixth he, grade. He, did, he messed it up, and and, and a, a really formative year too, where you're trying to figure out who that you're twelve, yeah, and you're about to be a teenager. You're trying to figure out life in a way. And uh, now, I will say this: I whether it came off, it comes off humorous or not, I amp it up a little bit. I don't sit around every day going, that mother effer. You know what I mean? He doesn't cross my mind. But if you ask me how was my childhood, well, then that's what comes up. Right. But there were great friends. Paul Partica, Mike Cusick, Ray Beatty, Chris O'Donnell, Michelle Corlett, uh, Lisa McClellan. You know, I can list all these great people that I had a great time with. Uh, but he was the... You know, he was the problem. And then... But there's no... There, in high school, there was no one person that like was like, oh, that guy ruined... It just kind of was like, I tried to be part of the popular group. I should not have kept trying to, you know, be liked that effing badly and just gone, hey, you know what? My friends are Paul Boyev, who's one of my best friends to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we we talk. Uh, you know, oh, oh, you bond with him? That's okay. Bond with these six guys. But I so badly wanted to be at the, hey, oh, there was a party on Saturday? Oh, I wasn't invited. Great. You were out with your friends having fun. Mm-hmm. At the time, you don't feel that way. No. Yeah, I had that too. I was the first couple years of high school, for sure. Um and then even the other four. I wasn't just kidding. Mm-hmm. What if I was in high school for that long? That'd be too long. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I definitely, definitely was trying to be something I wasn't. Yeah. I would. I wonder if there are kids who are that self-possessed at that age that they just do embrace who they are the entire four years. Well, they, there, so were, there were guys, you. but you thought they were weirdos. I, yeah. I really There was a, one guy, his name was John, uh, and I kind of hated him. Because he was so secure in who he was. And he was a misfit. Mm-hmm. But he was secure about it. It was like, you know, how dare you not have any... I and mean, granted, maybe inside he's a mess. But, you know, who knows? Uh, but I remember thinking, you know, you're way too confident for... And at the time going, you're way too confident for a guy that's not popular. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. that's how dumb high school can be. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, but... Uh, yeah, so that was that. That was that's. I know that was not the thumbnail, but uh, that's okay. That's in, that was interesting though. And do you have siblings? I have a brother, Mike. Yeah, older, younger. He's younger than me, and he's a great guy. Still lives in Chicago, and uh, and yeah. What were your parents like? Divorced when I was eight. Uh, I don't really remember a lot of uh, pre-eight. Um, I don't know if I blocked it out. I don't know. Uh, I remember some nice memories. I remember some a couple of bad ones, but I don't remember like some people from my from that era of my life will go. Hey, remember we did this? I'm like, no, I do not. I don't remember any of that. Mm-hmm. I remember going to watch Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, and then my my parents got divorced and my mom married uh, my stepfather, who she was with for 30 years. And so then I had three stepbrothers uh, who we would see on a regular basis. And uh, that was great and fun and whatever. And, you know, uh, we kind of all were kind of like uh, – none of us were like uh, – we kind of were just like five five dudes, you know. And uh, like we all had our personalities and, and likes and dislikes and nobody was uh, – Better than the other. I think my mom and stepdad did a great job of raising us. And I think my dad did too. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, well, you know, once you get in high school, you're kind of your own person anyway. But 
uh, or not if you're trying too damn hard like I did. <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, as far as your parents go, you're kind of you're kind of your own person once you're going to high school and you've got your after school activities and you're kind of just your parents for two hours a day. Right. You said that there were a couple good memories, a couple bad memories. Can you share one of each? Um. Well, you know, I just re- like you just remember, uh, you know, playing in the backyard with my mom and dad. You know, nothing specific, mm-hmm. but just remember going. This is great. This is you know, this is a nice warm memory. And then, you know, the horrible memories would be you know my dad telling us that my parents are getting a divorce. You know, or uh, you know my parents uh, yelling. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's I don't I can't even remember a specific of it. Um, I remember now. You know, I love to go to the mall. I love to this day. I love going to the mall. And I think it's because my parents would fight when I was a kid and my mom would probably take us to the mall to kind of just get out of the house mm-hmm. and go somewhere. I don't know if that's true. I should ask her. Uh, but I do remember going to the mall a lot and, and feeling comfort in the mall. And now when I go to the mall, I kind of feel that same comfort. What do you do? When you go now to the mall, what do you do? You know what? Nothing. I kind of just... Uh, Is it just the feeling of the mall? Yeah. And, and uh, just, you know, walk around or whatever. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not there every day. I'm not a mall walker. I'm not, you know, I'm not that <laughs> old yet. Uh, Am I going to see you at the athlete's foot? You might. You might. I like a nice shoe, right? Uh, but I might go off site for the shoe. I might go to a DSW. I might go to a f- uh, famous footwear. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay mall prices for a, for a athletic. <laughs> There's shoe. no need. That's the thing. No you know need. exactly. If you have the means, you may as well get out to a DSW. Right. Take advantage. It's exactly. Off Broadway. That's another nice shoe store. <laughs> You were into theater. Yeah. Did you um, initially, career aspiration-wise, did you want to be in the theater? I think so. I think I wanted to be a uh, an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, although uh, there's a, I don't remember what grade this was in, but we drew a, we were asked to draw what we wanted to be when we grew up, and I found that uh, when my mom had just recently moved from Chicago to uh, Los Angeles. I think that's when we found it. But it was a picture, believe it or not, of a of a, of a stand up microphone uh, with you know stand up uh, the mic stand with the mic just a single microphone, right? Not a boom mic. is what I'm trying to illustrate, <laughs> and uh, with the spotlight hitting it with a curtain behind it. So apparently, now I don't know if that means I wanted to be a singer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it means I wanted to be a comedian. I don't know what it means. Uh, but that sure doesn't say theater. You know what I mean? It right. doesn't say actor. Um, so apparently, I had this dream, and when I, I went to. Uh, uh, that grade school reunion, like nobody was surprised I was a comedian. Like nobody was surprised. Like people I hadn't spoken to or uh, didn't know I was in show business. Mm-hmm. Again, I throw that in quotes. Uh, I don't know why I'm in show business. Um, Are you? How dare you? I have a top rated podcast. <laughs> I host a show on Science Channel. I'm very successful. Uh, I'm friends with Conan O'Brien. Now we can keep doing this all day long. No, I know. I, I said there's a, there was an article in Variety about you inked a deal was inked. A deal was inked with me with and Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Variety also reported me as uh, Jimmy Pardo has made the big time. That was a an exact quote of theirs uh, from uh, I want to call it uh, 2004. So Variety's writer may not have been <laughs> focused on that day. Uh, but if you don't think I used that quote on my website for 10 years, you're damn wrong because I did. Why did you take it off? Right? It's variety. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty. He's hit the big time. It, yeah. it was a very nice. Uh, anyway, um, uh, nobody in my grade school was like uh, when they said, what do you do for a living now, Jim? And I go, well, I work at this is when I worked at Conan. I worked at Conan 
And, uh, you know, I travel the country as a comedian. Of course, and like, of course you are. Did you expect that they would be surprised? I wanted everybody to kiss my ass like they couldn't <laughs> believe a guy from show business showed up to the class reunion. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Janis Joplin going back to her uh, reunion and telling everybody to go F themselves, mm-hmm. even though I liked all those people. Right. But I wanted a little bit of that, and I got none of it. None. None. Maybe they were just trying to play it cool with someone in showbiz. Maybe. And by the way, I'm not mad at them. I'm not, because uh, uh, I kind of told the story once in print, and it came out way wrong, and I got a lot of emails from those people going, hey, we're very proud of you. Uh, mm-hmm. We think it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you. I, I guess, won't transcribe this. Don't worry. I wanted them to be, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I wanted. I wanted I wanted to be, he made it. Yeah. He's here. And right. that's insane, because uh, I, at the same time, I don't want any of that. I want to just go to my reunion and have fun with the jackasses I had fun with, you know, uh, X years ago. But I understand the fantasy. Right? Yes. It, it, that's what it is. It's the fantasy. And there's also going back and seeing your, 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 the, the loves of those times and, you know, going, uh, you know, if I wasn't married, mm-hmm. you know, this would happen. It would never happen. Right. Maybe it would happen. But, uh, you know, um, you want them to, you want that, you, you almost want them to lust over you too. Like they've been thinking about you for all these years and, you know, oh, I'm so glad to see you again. You know, uh, you know, let's, why don't we sneak off? Well, I can't. I thank you, young lady, but I'm married. Uh, of course, none of that happened, so that was a bummer, too. Nobody made a move. So, uh, Was your wife with you at the reunion? She was with me. You think that uh, yeah, my wife cock-blocked me? Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, there's a chance. I could have been rolling threesomes, maybe, huh? That's right. Threesomes. No. Apparently, I'm having more than one at that reunion. <laughs> That's right. Apparently, a total of four women wanted to have fun. Are you the most successful person who ever graduated your high school? No. Uh, no. I'm who, not. Who who are you competing with? That's you know it's a great question. It's a small high school, Oak Forest High School. Uh, there's a couple of guys that made the major leagues in baseball. Mm. A couple of uh, Jason Frazier, I think, is one of them, and then another guy uh, who uh, Tom Gordzolani might be his name. Uh, I would not know, so I'm just gonna say yes. That's who it is. Uh, but I don't. I don't. You know what? I don't. Want, I want an email from a guy going. It's actually Tom Gorzellini. Uh, how dare you make fun of a fellow alumni? Yeah. No email, you guys. Right. It's cool, guys. You can keep your thoughts to yourself. Uh, <laughs> no, no need to let me know you don't care for me. Uh, so there's two guys that made the major leagues. Uh, there's a guy named Gary Meyer who is uh, a radio legend in Chicago, mm. uh, who I grew up listening to, and who's still on. Uh, recently left the air. Uh, but uh, and then a guy named Bill Leff who is now on the radio on WLS. Uh, nope, abort. He's on WGN uh, in Chicago. So those are the guys. One could argue... Sorry, we already aborted the entire episode. Oh, jeez. All right, thank you Did for your time. Over? Yeah. Thank okay. you for your time. Uh, one could argue that I am the most successful. One could, right. depending on what level. But I think if you make the major leagues in baseball, I mean, even when you saw the guy in high school, like, that guy's a great baseball player. you got to be better than that to make mm-hmm. the major leagues. So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty uh, pretty great. One of them, Jason Frazier's a great pitcher. So initially, you wanted to be an actor, even though there's this this um, rendering yes. where you were doing something that could have been stand up. Um, so take me through that, and then how you got into stand up. Uh, well, you know, I did theater all through high school. You know, the, the whatever musical theater. If there was musical, I did it. I, but I was always the non singing comic relief, mm. like in um, uh, in um, uh, uh, yes, Matt. Uh, what does he want? Uh, no, no. Uh, God, Matt Bell. He, you know what? He's listening to this conversation. Oh. Uh, he said, te- I'll tell you the text. His text was, uh, he said, what about Kevin Cronin, who's the lead singer of Ario Speedwagon? Uh-huh. Did All he right, go to uh, your high school? He just grew up in the same town as me. He did not go to my high school. Know the question. My bad. 
I wish we had miked the doorway. Um, they heard it. They'll be fine. Okay. And if they don't, they could certainly email me. Um, <laughs> what was the question? Uh, how did I get there? I yeah. did, oh, so uh, uh, in Anything Goes, I was the old man uh, who they put way too much white in his hair to make him look old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, the, you know, I was the, the funny guy in the play. Right. You were the uh, non-singing funny guy. The non-singing. Guy. In Bye Bye Birdie, I was the young Randolph McAfee who had one singing line and it was supposed to be off key anyway, you know. Uh, kids. It's supposed to be a kid yeah. whose voice is cracking. Right. Uh, who got the laughs? So I was always that guy in the musicals. Did uh, you want to be the? Goddamn right, I did. Okay, of course. Yes, of course. I wanted to be. I wanted to be Conrad Birdie. Right. As I'm three foot four mm-hmm. and you know tiny with a you know with a you know, mop of Zeppelin like hair. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no room. Yeah. No 14-year-old or however old you were at that point wants to be the comic relief. You always want to be the ingenue. You want to be if the... If you're the gal. Yeah, or the, the lead, as right. they say, is the, is the gentleman. Uh, wait, what would the man be? What's the, if it's a ingenue, what's the man? Leading man? I guess that's it. Yeah. The heartthrob. God damn it, yes. Protagonist. Yes. Hero. I'm listening. <laughs> listening to all my dreams. All of, all of that. I hear you speak my dreams in mm-hmm. those whispery tones. Right. So what, what else did... What other shows uh what did we do we did uh and it sounds like quite a robust theater program you're no 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 i know uh we would do one play a year it was a big deal uh nobody supported it (laughs) uh you know it was our parents sitting through it um they had to convince the bas- uh, the football team to take part in it if we didn't have enough cast members (laughs) uh to one then one would argue why are you doing such a uh, a show that needs that many cast members, right? Um, which they figured out. And then uh, the next year, we did um, "Whose Life Is It Anyway?" Uh, you know, the guy dying and the uh, uh, I, I forget the premise of it. The guy's dying and everybody has to circle. I played a lawyer in that. I'm, I'm not familiar with that one, but it sounds great. It was a great. I, I think Richard Dreyfus was in the movie version. Okay, it was a huge play. I remember at the time. The fact that we were tackling that in high school was a mm-hmm. uh, everybody was like, I can't believe you're doing such good material, weighty material. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even there where I was a serious guy, I got the laughs and it's like, I don't even know, like it, it, it would, at the first couple rehearsals, it annoyed me that I was getting laughs because I didn't think it was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, and then it's like, well, fuck, I'm getting the laughs. And I didn't play it up, but I didn't fight it. Right. You know, I, I keep swearing. I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, uh, I swear on this show, okay. so it's totally fine. Um, so, uh, so I did the, the, that stuff and then, you know, won some awards and all that nonsense that you win in high school if you're good and um then i went to the american academy of dramatic arts out of high school where's that at the time it was in pasadena oh okay so i drove cross country went to the american academy of dramatic arts which is a tough school to get into unless you have a checkbook Mm. in other words not hard to get into oh and you had a checkbook uh your parents did yeah they were uh kind enough to uh you had a benefactor uh, yeah, I had, I had an outside source. <laughs> uh, but I worked full time as well at the Warehouse Records to uh, pay my uh, – because you had to pay rent and do all that nonsense. And- I worked at Sam Goody. Look at that. Very very briefly though. And I was only a greeter. I never got to work the cash register. I never got to answer the phone with that really super long like, hi, you know, thank you for calling Sam Goody where you can reserve your copy of The Lion King. Except it wasn't Lion King at that point, blah, blah, blah. It was so long – wasn't an enjoyable experience for me working there. How was your warehouse experience? It was great. Okay. It was great. I, ma- I had managed record stores in Chicago, or a- assistant managed at that point. And then when I came out here uh, and I did a job, I just I got hired you know, part-time to full-time. Then I was an assistant manager uh, while going to acting school in the morning. 
And uh, Warehouse was great. Loved Did Warehouse it. sell concert tickets? No. Okay. No, that was uh, Music Plus. Oh. Music Plus sold the concert tickets. Right. Yeah, uh, I remember going with my friends really early in the morning to some music store to buy tickets. Back in the days when people would... This was all pre-internet. Got it. The, I am and, and so the, old. Those days were great. Going, really? L- literally going... There was nothing better to me, uh, for me and okay. and people of my generation. Where, yes, it was, it was stressful, mm-hmm. but you'd get to Ticketmaster or Ticketron at the time and you would get there at nine o'clock the night as soon as the mall closed the night before right, you had to camp out you'd camped out but you camped out with like-minded people so mm-hmm. if it's journey you're hearing journey music for 12 hours and you're meeting people and you're having fun and you know, some people would hook up some wouldn't it was a great it was great because you hook up i would make i feel out. like you were a lothario there's no question a casanova i was I, admittedly i was i i did i had a confidence out of high school when i worked at the record store i had a confidence <laughs> that was un cocky or arrogant or both neither just confident mm-hmm. like just a guy like i my, my big line this was my big line in the record store days uh is i would go up to girls that i found very uh, attractive i didn't know anything about them other than that i mean you know they walked into my record store mm-hmm. i didn't know personality or whatever and i would say uh, listen my uh i don't want to make you uncomfortable but my friends said they're, they're gonna kick my ass if i don't ask you out oh that's such a good one and it worked every time <laughs> every time and then I go on a, I, then I would go on a date, and uh, it would either work or it wouldn't. You know what uh-huh. I mean? But that was the line that I would use, and 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 I, I know. Where that, did you come up with this line? I don't know. It's pretty good. I don't know. And now I know that doesn't even scream confidence because I'm kind of blaming the other. I'm putting it all on everybody else. No, but that's but it it screams effectiveness is what it screams. It worked. Uh, the only time it didn't work was the girl who. Uh, and in these times that we live in now, it it, uh, it 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 seems creepy, but it wasn't. I said I did the line on, uh, on her, and she goes, "I I'm I'm 13." I was like, "Well, we're gonna go, we're gonna go." <laughs> My apologies. My apologies. Um, yes, she was just a kid, but she didn't look like a kid. And mm-hmm. she, you know, it, uh, yeah, I had a weird confidence during those times. Uh, to uh, did you lose it at a certain point, or did you just get married? Um. Boy, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I kind of feel like I lost it. Mm-hmm. Did and, showbiz grind you down? <laughs> it may have. <laughs> it may, you know, I think it was traveling across the country in my car doing stand-up that, you know, wore me down. And I, I, I would be, you know, drunk and desperate and, you know, sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't – I certainly was, didn't have the courage to ask anybody out the way that I did back in those days. And then, you know, when I, you know, when I met my wife, that was just, you know – it was a done deal, man. How'd you meet her? You want to hear the romantic version? What's the other version? Well, we used to have the same agent. <laughs> yeah, the romantic version then. Please. Here's the romantic version. Okay. Here we go. Uh, this was uh, my friend Mike Siegel was having a birthday party at a bar called St. Nick's. And I showed up. And in fact, I just found a picture of this. I showed up wearing clothes that no human being should be wearing to a birthday party. Uh, it was an ill-fitting, but I was fat. I was 30 pounds heavier than I am today. And so I, I was wearing an ill-fitting uh, sweatshirt. And <laughs> denim shorts. Oh, wow. And it may have been the only two pieces of clothing like that fit comfortably. You know what I mean? Like everything else. Like, uh, But I showed up in that and I walked into the bar and Mike was there. Mike Siegel talking to some other folks. And past Mike, I saw a girl uh, and there's argument whether the sweater was orange or red. I maintain it was red. Danielle says it was orange. Uh, I bet she's right since she, it was her sweater. Maybe the lighting made me okay. think it was red. All right. But you're right. It was probably orange. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating this in any way. I've been telling this story for 17 years. 
I said, that's the most beautiful woman I've seen. I will marry her one day. And then my friend Jimmy Dore came up and said, have you met my girlfriend, Danielle? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, nice to meet you, Danielle. And then we, because we had the same agent, we would run into each other at various auditions or various... Uh, was that just by chance? What's that? That you would run into her or did you try to create... No, it was just by chance. Yeah, okay. And Jimmy and she would have... Um, uh, they, you know, they would like in a relationship. They weren't. They would get along. They wouldn't get along. And so whenever he would say to me, um, "Yeah, we're you know we're going through a tough time. You know, I don't know. I go, I gotta leave her, Jim. Gotta, you know what? I don't, you know what? I mean, it's not right. It's not right. I literally <laughs> would say stuff like that. Like I go, well, you know what? I go, you know, you, you go out there, you find the right person because I knew that I hit it off with this girl. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. Sight, you know, just on sight, and then in speaking to her when we'd run into each other, it's like this is. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not uh, some hippie. The soulmate isn't a word that I would use, but I kind of felt like this is her. Mm-hmm. And so they went out, they broke up. I waited a year and I finally went, you know what? I know it's quote unquote guy code. You don't ask out another guy's girl. I, I girlfriend or mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend. I don't, I don't use the word girl. I'm not uh, in the town with Ben Affleck. Right. Are you and, a bro? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's my girl, bro. Right. None of that. I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not outside of a Coke can. So, uh, <laughs> I waited the year and I, I called him up and I said, Jimmy, just so that you know, uh, I ran into uh, to Danielle and I'm, I'm going to ask her on a date. And uh, we didn't talk for six months. Oh, so he uh, wasn't cool with it. He was not. And But I kind of felt like I'm getting to an age where I'm connecting with this woman, a girl at the time. It's been so long. I mean, we, mm-hmm. she, she was. We were kids, really. And um, it's like I, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. So I asked her out and we've been together ever since. So sweet. That is years. a romantic story. I know, right? Now, what's her version of all of it? Was she also, every time she went into you, was she also feeling something? She was a little flirty, a little flirty. Uh, she would leave, like she invited me, uh, hey, our friend Boris is having a birthday party. Uh, do you want to come? And then I, uh, RSVP, and uh, which I'm not 100% sure that it required an RSVP. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And this is before email. We had a call. Yeah, maybe it was a regrets only. Oh, I should have called and said I'm not coming. Well, my memory of birthday invitations from when I was a kid is that it was either RSVP or regrets only, which regrets only would mean, yeah, you call if you can't come. Oh, I should have regretted only. No, mm-hmm. I didn't. I called anyway. Okay. I called her up and I, and I got the voicemail and relieved, by the way, relieved I got the voicemail because I'm scared. I'm panicked. I'm nervous. I'm calling the girl that I kind of want to date and mm-hmm. I can't. And, uh, and I left her, I remember I left her a string of, uh, you know, I, I wanted to know where's, where's this party at? Uh, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's your favorite food? Sweatshirt and jean shorts. <laughs> right. Is that, a, is appropriate. that appropriate? <laughs> um, you know, what, and I remember her saying, and then, you know, and, uh, and lastly, what's your favorite shaped pool? And you then, asked her that? And I hung up, and uh-huh. then she called back, and she said, hey, I'm glad you can come to the party. You know, uh, I'm going to make stuff up. You know, uh, Snickers, uh, you know, uh, mousetrap, and uh, kidney. See you there. And I was like. There, this is that, you know. Uh-huh. So then, when I saw her at the party, I remember we just getting all giddy, and Aww. there she is, and nervous to talk, and and then we chit chatted. Nothing, you know, nothing sexual or anything happened. We just chit chatted, and uh, and then I said, you know, and I called Jimmy, and then I asked her on a date, and we went out. So that's it. Yeah. So I think she would give you the same, right? You know, I remember her quote was the first time she saw me was, "Who's this smart little guy?" <laughs> so, <laughs> and she she didn't. Focus on the outfit? Uh, apparently not. She should have. What was the time in between when you that first time you met her and when you went out on the date? Maybe 18 months, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's such a sweet story. Had you been in a lot of um, relation? It sounds like you 
dated a lot or hooked up a lot, but had you been in a lot of relationships before that? I've had uh, probably four major ones. I had uh, a girl in high school, uh, the woman I lost my virginity with, girl, it was girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a major one. And then I had one uh, when I worked at the record store in Chicago uh, that was only eight months, but Jesus Christ, it seemed like this is my world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and to this day, I I counted as one of the main ones. Then there was... uh, uh, one huge one uh, after that. Uh, who I, you know, we lived together and did all that. And uh, then I moved out here because mm-hmm. uh, she uh, left me. And uh, so then I moved here. And then she sounds awful. She's she's great. She was a kid. It's one of those things where like you know you're. I was mad for so many years, and I did. I hated women for about four years. I hated them and uh, and didn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I look back at it now, it's like she was twenty two years old. Like what do you? You know. I know. I, I have things like that, too, where I walk around, you know, carrying these grudges. And then I look back and I think I was expecting way too much of that person. Wait, right? Like I was entrusting them with something that ultimately didn't even have to do with them, had so much more to do with me. And, yeah, everyone was so young then. That's and. And I and we, so we, and, and I would go on the road as a comedian. So I'm on the road from Tuesday to Saturday, come home Sunday, Monday. That to to the home that I share with this woman mm-hmm. girl and and expect her to be present and interested and like and, and because she's 22 she should be out having fun not sitting at home by the phone waiting for me to call after my shows you know what I mean it's like so yeah I'm expecting way I was expecting way too much um maybe she was too expecting more of me who knows it's mm-hmm. uh, you know it's 30 years ago what if 20 years ago now 20 so just to close this loop um from before you're working in a warehouse. You're going to the Academy of Dramatic Arts. Yes. And studying serious acting? Serious acting. Yeah. And then what happened? Like, how did you go from that to comedy? It was uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts is two or three year program. Uh, it's the first year you learn your basics on the nonsense that you, we already all know. And then the second year is uh, you have to be invited back for the second year. And then 12 people get invited back to the third year and you just put on shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was decided, it was mutually decided that I would not return for that second year. Um, I was, even though I was part of the conversation on I'm not coming back, it infuriated me that I wasn't wanted. Doesn't sound that mutual. Uh, It probably wasn't. (laughs) Probably wasn't. Uh, You know what though? I'll I'll say this. It was was mutual, but I didn't, I felt like I I made this uh, decision to do this and I'm going to see it through. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you don't want me to... I don't really want to see it through. And you don't want me to. But, I, but I'm but i going to see it through. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fought to come back the second year, even though I was kind of like... Uh, my behavior and my attitude is what made me not want to come back. Um, so then all of my counseling and, and the, the meetings with the teachers and the meetings with uh, the instructors and the everybody at the school were like, you should go into comedy. You should go into comedy. You should go into comedy. And um, I met a guy that ran the Ice House, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, but uh, Bob Fisher, mm-hmm. when I was at the warehouse. And he's uh, he's like, you know, you're really funny. You should come to the Ice House sometime, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And you know, I think I went and watched the show or something. I don't remember. It's one of those things where I change history. You know, one story, one version is I did time. I don't think I ever did time mm-hmm. at the Ice House. Um, I moved back to Chicago and worked at the record stores again. Did some community theater. And then Bob Odenkirk from yes, love him. Mr. Show and Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad was a customer at my record store. 
a customer at wow. my record store, but he was just a guy. And he would come in every Saturday, and what he was doing was he was going to visit his parents in Naperville. And my record store was in Naperville, so he would stop in, buy a record, and, and, we, and we ended up striking up a friendship. And we would talk every Saturday morning because my store did no business on Saturday mornings. And so we would talk for hours. And Did uh, you use your line on him? I said, my friends are going <laughs> to kick my ass if I don't ask you out. Uh, and so we would make each other laugh. And, and, and uh, at one point, he again said, you know, you're the funniest guy I've met who's not a comedian. You should do stand-up comedy. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, 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 I hear that a lot, but I, you know, I don't know. And he's like, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that we've seen a zillion times where somebody says you should be a comedian, and then mm-hmm. they're a comedian, and they never should have been a comedian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know. He goes, you know what? My roommate uh, hosts a show on Saturday nights at, right around the corner from here. Uh, you should come and check it out. And I was like, all right, I'll come and check it out. So uh, he leaves on that particular time. This is after, again, weeks and weeks and weeks of this happening. That was me hitting this. Okay. Um, I show up at that thing, and Bill Leff, who I mentioned earlier, who's now a DJ in Chicago, radio personality in Chicago, was a stand-up, and I went to high school with him, and he's like, are you on the show? I go, no, I'm not on the show. He goes, oh, you got to do this, man. You're the, you're the funniest guy I ever met. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. So then the next week I signed up, and then I've been doing it ever since. So that's that was the transition from that. And did you feel right away like, oh, now I'm doing what I should be doing? I kind of, you know, I started in the comedy boom of the late 80s, so I started when... Uh, I got work way too soon. Mm-hmm. I still should have been open micing when I was getting paid work. Um, I took it seriously uh, in that I kind of I was a great open micer, and it's like this is where I, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm 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 in my element. I'm with funny people. I'm I'm and I worked with funny people at the record store too. Those were all great people, and I maintained I was never funnier than I was when I worked at the record store because uh, I didn't have the stage to for the outlet. Um, but I loved stand-up comedy. I loved the camaraderie. And it goes back to that high school. It was like, this is, I found them. Mm-hmm. I finally found them. Here we go. We're all fucking misfits. Yeah. We're all the, the broken toys. And now we're all finding each other. And there's still that bullshit high school of, you know, that guy's more famous. That guy's a hack. That guy's a prop act. This guy's this guy. And you look down on whatever. Uh, I try not to. I've always tried to be fair and nice to everybody. I'm told that that's not always the case. And I apologize <laughs> to those people now. Um, but... Uh, I then started getting work as a stand-up and I took it way too seriously and I forgot about the funny. Mm-hmm. And I was more worried about doing a good job and getting rebooked. And, and Whereas I, I kind of then became a kind of a generic comedian mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years and then I worked through that and then became who I am today. Generic comedian, were you trying to make, were you trying to appeal to a more ma- Everybody. mainstream? Yeah, I was trying to be like a, a bad version of uh, a combination of Paul Reiser and Richard Lewis and Jerry Seinfeld. Like mm-hmm. I tried to take their three personalities because uh, those are the three guys that I, you know, uh, at the time, I was uh, Robert Klein and uh, Don Rickles and Johnny Carson as well. But those were the three that were the stand-ups. Right. Uh, and I tried to just emulate them in one package. And, well, no, they're, they're three distinct different voices. And why are you trying to be them? And, you know, with the rolled up sport coat sleeves and the skinny <laughs> tie. And uh, uh, and then when I finally just went back to being the guy that at the open mics, where he was like, you got to come in. Pardo's the guy to watch in the open mics. Like this guy's, he's got this guy's got something. This guy, and it was you know flat. And then all of a sudden, I'm not hearing that chatter anymore. It's like, but I'm working, so fuck them. Mm-hmm. I made it. They're still in the open mics. It's like, no, you've forgotten who you are. And then I had to work backwards to find it again. You started Never Not Funny how long ago? March of 2006. According to Variety, you're a podcasting pioneer. That's correct. Variety is uh, very sharp. 
<laughs> very astute. Back in 2006, though, I'm trying to even remember what the podcast landscape was. You really, ha- it was one of the first podcasts. Was well, there not? was there was a, 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 a couple called Dawn and Drew who were in the on the East Coast. Keith and the girl, I think, were doing it. Mm-hmm. Jason Nash was doing one here locally, and Ricky Gervais, and then people like Adam Carolla uh, would uh, not familiar take their. Uh, oh boy, oh boy, I misunderstood. I thought you were on his show. No. Oh, that's no, I was. I was. I know it was you. I know. It uh, was. I, I, in fact, I, I was hesitant to even say it. To oh, no, it's it. fine. Uh, he would take his radio show. I had these hives coming in. Oh, I apologize. Do you want, <laughs> want me to run out and get a Zyrtec for you? <laughs> Is it a green bottle? That'll make you happy, right? <laughs> I love the green well, bottle. Well, it'll make you happy. <laughs> uh, but they would take his radio show and, and, and then make it into a podcast. So, uh, And then the Onion had one. So when we started, basically, uh, you know, we were nothing. And then on iTunes, which, you know, meant so much back then. Now it's a nice place to get your podcast mm-hmm. and those lists. If anybody cares about those numbers, they're insane uh, because they change every second. And they don't matter. But I only care about them when I'm doing really well on the charts. Right. And then, yeah. when, yeah, then the, when I when I drop, I'm like, oh, but they but we all know they mean nothing. Anyway. <laughs> that's, exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. By the way, I just saw a uh, this is off topic, but there was just a listing somebody. And I, I actually just made this point on my podcast this week. That these are just guys with blogs that make these lists. You know, the five funniest podcasts, the five funniest yeah. comedians. Somebody just and they mean nothing. It's just that guy's opinion. And but we all like oh the buzzer like bot canon, says I'm yeah. great. <laughs> uh, somebody just made a list of uh, the thirty uh, ranking the thirty major league baseball stadiums, and he's so wrong. But now this is what everybody says is like, well, you know, Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report says these right. are the third. And he's wrong. And like he's got Kauffman Stadium at like number 15 when everybody that's a big fan of baseball, nobody denies it's the best stadium in the country. And so like it's if you're anyway, my point is it's just a freaking list. We should just go make lists. That's right. And if it turns out I'm at the top of my list, that is pure coincidence. I will tell you this. I am the number four comedian on a list. And that list is on JimmyPardo.com. Really? No, my joke is that I, yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I I'm only number four on my own list. Uh, so we would compete against The Onion. That uh, that was my long way of getting to this. Uh, it was Ricky Gervais and The Onion and us would always, would rotate the top three spots on iTunes uh, for a while. And because there were no other ones. Mm-hmm. And we put out a really neat, uh, and, and iTunes believed in us because we kind of were doing a show. Whereas other podcasts were kind of just. Conversation. Conversation. And I took, you know, we had a theme song and we, you know, uh, welcomed people, didn't just start talking. Like it was like. People didn't know what to do with a podcast then. The thing I this this is my cause celeb. The thing where you walk in and you're just talking and then it turns out they've been recording <clears> since <throat> 45 minutes before you walked in, which all I love Nerdist. I love being on Nerdist podcasts, but they all do that. What the fuck? Because and then you listen back and you're like, yeah, it gets good about 12 minutes because in. Because you didn't know. Right. And you were kind of laying back. And, and my whole thing is always, but the people on your podcast are performers. If you were just having regular people who might suddenly get nervous if they knew they were being recorded or something, then you have a hidden camera show. <laughs> but give people a chance to turn it on. It, it infuriates. And then you, yeah. you, it's exactly what you just na- uh, said. If you listen to a Jimmy Pardo on a show like that, I'm 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 me, but I'm not this. Mm-hmm. I'm not amped up show business. You know, uh, I'm talking. You know, oh, you know, I had lunch right. and I had this. But if I you know I'm on, well, I had lunch and you know, you know I'm sitting in the chair. Like you, you, now, you jazz it up, and so it gets funny. People would say, and I bet Pete Holmes would say he's one of those kind of people. He, they'd be like, but but the listeners want to hear that other Jimmy. No, they don't. I well, agree. I agree. They don't. 
I mean, maybe a little bit. There's a novelty to it, hearing what someone sounds like but when they you, have no idea that they're on. But if you hear it flip, don't you then go, well, that guy's a fraud. Like, I'm not saying I'm a fraud, but there's a different... You know, if, I, if is, I talk like this all the time, oh, God. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to put a knife in my face? It would be horrible. <laughs> right? And so I, I don't... To hear that, get to, I don't know. Right. Right. I'm with you. I'm I, with you. I, 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 and, then, and I always feel like... I feel like a fool then when I go... So when do we start? Oh, we've been going for 12. Hmm. That's why there's more than one podcast where I make this speech on it. And I just assume they'll cut that out, but no, it's there. I've been making this speech about why do you guys do this when they do it? Well, I, uh, you know, we don't do it on Never Not Funny. We run a professional organization. <laughs> uh, theme song. Yeah. Opening. Intro. Welcome, everybody. Intro, the whole shot. Right. Right. I like it. I like the way you do it. Thank you. So. Well, we're the best. Yes. You're number four on your website. How dare you. Um, okay. Always, of late, I say on Twitter that I'm going to take questions for my guest. Uh-huh. And I tweeted out that, you know, tweet me your questions for Jimmy Pardo, won't you? I included you in the tweet. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Right away. So many assholes responded. Mm-hmm. It was, as I said to you, it was a, it functioned as a siren cry for assholes. <laughs> and I'm used to what it normally is. Usually it's a bunch of questions and then there's like a couple of clever people who will say their question will be, who is this person? And the reason that I usually tag the person in it though is, I don't know, I guess with the hopes that maybe they'll retweet it and then we'll get more questions or something. Should I have done that? No, it's Okay. It's okay that you didn't because I, I, I'm well, – so then you contacted me and you're like, thanks for including me in this so I can see all the responses. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And then it made me think, why do I include them? Maybe I shouldn't from now on. Here is my question. Yes. For me or for everybody? For the universe. You can answer for the universe. I'll speak for them. Do you – what happened? Do you think there's something about you – and your fans that draws the jerky responses, except that before we started, you suggested that, no, it's my listeners, but my listeners are nice people. Maybe it was the time that I tweeted it. wasn't it. my people. Okay, it wasn't. No, it was, no that was not my people. So here, it wasn't, because I, I thought, and in fact, one of the people who tweeted wondered this too, are these a bunch of inside jokes? No. Do you guys just treat each other like shit? No, we don't That's at all. In any way, that is not our bag at all. We are uh, supportive and wonderful. And uh, and I, in fact, I just tweeted last week that I have I, never not funny, and I have the best fans in the world. It's funny because I think I had the best fans in the world you yesterday. Can't. I think I do. Number two. I'll give you all right. Number two. I'll, I'll take I'll number you, two. I'll give you one A. I I'll take that. But yesterday, I maybe my maybe everyone's changed. They've turned. Um. I you want to know my thought on it? If yeah. I, if I can give you completely, please. I think you have some holdovers that are still. Uh, oh. You're the bad guy uh, from your situation with Adam. Yeah, and those are the dicks that want to rear their ugly head. That's my t- that was my take on it. That I oh, definitely- she still has some fucking morons hanging around. That's how I took it. I think that's possible. Um, although I don't, it, it doesn't that doesn't usually happen. But usually I tweet earlier. Maybe it was just a time. Time I don't think day, blame I, I I feel strongly that I'm right on this because I I agree right. that your your world is a is a pleasant world as is ours. It's very friendly and nice. And if I would have retweeted, by the way, you would have gotten 
thousands of questions. Then you should have retweeted. But I didn't because I didn't want to open up the door to those other assholes right. that were already you know poking my cage. And I just didn't want to feel I was at a baseball game and I just didn't want to be keep looking down and going, who is this guy? Yeah, here's a question. Why talk to him? Right. You know, I didn't. I just didn't want to keep seeing those. So I did not retweet it for that reason. So, okay. But I should have to bring in that positive energy. Well, I'm sorry about that. I felt bad. It actually has made me think maybe I shouldn't include the person in the in that tweet anymore. Anyway, though, moving on, I do have a few questions from... Can I say this, though? Yes, if any can. of you people are listening, you're wrong to treat people like that. Uh, let's just assume that if somebody's going to be a guest on here, that uh, there's a reason you should do them. And instead of just saying, hey, who is that person? Why don't you take a second and Google them? Uh, because you're really the ignorant person here uh, for asking such a stupid question. Go ahead, Alice. I agree. I agree. Uh, okay, I'm trying to find... Let's see. Burn plants. Oh, wait, what am I doing? We have a thing that we have a song. Ah. When we ask, we send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Burn Plant says, Yes. Can he take it as well as he dishes it out? Chicago and Kiss suck. Sure. <laughs> but great. Okay. You don't like them, I like them. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I rag on a lot of, you know, I mean, that's what we do as comedians. We rag on things we don't like. So, uh, yeah. Sure. All right. Patrick Behrman says, if you could play any position for the White Sox, what would it be and in which era? 19, uh, late 1970s, third base. Joshua Albrecht says, any fantasy baseball updates? Uh, sure. I'm uh, basically in fourth place in all of my leagues. Eric Rose says, are, are, "Are these satisfactory answers?" I feel I feel satiated. Okay. Uh, any advice for running a ten k? Uh, run a five k first. That's good advice, right? You know, I mean, go, go slow. Here is what I did: I I started by walking. I would run around a, a little mile area around my house. I would run. I would run for like four houses, and then I would walk uh, for six houses. Then I would run for four, walk for six. Uh, these numbers may not be accurate. Um, and then I would build up to running half of the mile, then the full mile and then two miles and then three miles, then four. Like I built up to it cause I didn't run a day in my life until I started running, uh, which is like two years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing this house thing and thinking that actually sounds somewhat manageable cause I'm not a runner. It's, you know what? I wasn't either. I, in fact, nothing was less appealing to me, mm-hmm. but we were doing one of those stupid mud run things and we were doing it for the fun of it. And it was like, well, if I get a, uh, whether I'm running through mud or not, I, I have not run three miles in my life. And uh, so I probably should get in, in some sort of shape. So I started doing it and now I love it. Now I run half marathons as often as I can. Nick D'Angelo says, would you ever consider bringing UCB match game to podcast or TV? Well, we just did, uh, we just did a run of the match game at the UCB as part of their 10th, uh, 10th year anniversary, 10 year anniversary. Uh, it's always uh, a dream and, and, and something that I would hope would happen. Not in a podcast. It, it, that's not a, po- it's right. not a podcast. It's a TV show. Star Seeker Dragon says, what is your favorite podcast to listen to? I listen to Phil Hendry every single day. Okay. Josh says, the most embarrassing thing you got on eBay or Craigslist? Does AIDS count? <laughs> What's the question? The most embarrassing thing? You got... I don't know. I bought a Wham t-shirt for way too much money. I don't know if that's embarrassing, but I spent, you know, over $100 on it. I think that's There's times where I, get, where I think I have money, 
and I and I uh, and I go, you know what? I need that Wham shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I spend the money on it. So I don't know if it's embarrassing as as dumb. Poor, 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 poor money management. Does the shirt bring you joy? It did until it uh, got tight across the uh, chest as we spoke oh, up. And now I no. feel re- restricted. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay. Thank you for your questions, people. Although, no thank you for the spate <laughs> of shitty responses we got initially. Okay, now is the time where we do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something. This is where people send in things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And then we tell them whether we also do these things. Roberto Monaco says, just me or everyone, can't remember ever throwing out a towel. Hashtag, where do they go? It's a pretty decent point. We, I know where they go, though. They just, in my house, they just sit in a cabinet. We have like a bunch of threadbare towels that we never use. I should just throw them out. I just threw out a towel less than 12 hours ago. Oh, this is fresh off the presses, this question. Yeah. Wow, I know. Yeah. Uh, I, but I think for, it's the for first what one. grounds? <laughs> well, one of my cats barfed all over it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You got to throw that away. Right? You don't even want to clean that. Adios. I've that. put barf-covered dog beds and things in the wash, and I always think, I look at all those little holes in the washing machine, yeah. and I think, can the barf squeeze through there? Probably. Sorry, Jimmy. You look I, uncomfortable. Because uh, I think the exact same thing. Like, my uh, my son had a situation recently where he threw up, and all I thought about was, like, is that just puke just going to stay in there now right. for the rest of Or is it going to get clogged in those little holes? But I think enough water. and so There needs to be a garbage disposal for your washing machine. <laughs> oh, also, this is unrelated to tangent but my sink smells so bad and i don't know how to get the gross smell out of it oh put a uh a, a lemon in it yeah i, I cut, think it's gonna need more than a cut lemon a, cut a cut a lemon well then use more lemons <laughs> or okay. there's those great things they sell i think they're called plops plank plank plink. plink your sink it's we need something stronger oh jesus oh you got trouble there <laughs> we have bleach Bleach might work. Maybe you three. also need them to uh, clean out the um, oh the the trap or the thing or yeah, the, whatever. You know the one that you don't even know. I didn't even know it existed until we just had a backup. And the guy goes, "Well, where's your? I can't even. What's the word? Uh, where's your outspout? That's not it." <laughs> I and I mean. said, "I go. Oh, it's that thing on the over there." He goes, "No, that's your sewer." He goes, "There should be something on, by your sink." And then he showed it to me. And then he went in there and then took out so much like literally thirty years of junk in these pipes. That's probably what we have. I think you have that. We're going to have to move. Okay. Oh, that, I just call a plumber. Or or we'll call a plumber. Or move. Or we'll move. It's one or the other. Either way, we won't have to live with this forever. Start cooking in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, bathroom cooking. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll do. James Leroy Wilson says, despite what FCC censors claim, I think crap is far more vulgar than shit and freaking more powerful than fucking. Uh, no, I disagree. I'm sorry. Can you, can you hear my, my, the, the cord the, of my headphones going back and forth? <laughs> flapping against Shaking your, yeah. my head? No. No, no, sir. Mm-mm. No, no. Certainly not more than fucking. Yeah. I think freaking is more offensive than they give it credit for. You can get away with saying that, but it's actually a lot more offensive. Wait, saying what? I think that freaking. Oh, is, he said freaking? He said that God. he thinks crap is more vulgar than shit. No. no. Agreed. That I disagree with him. And he thinks freaking is more powerful than fucking. Right. I don't agree with that. But I think that freaking 
is a lot more of a vulgar word than how you're allowed to use it. Now, because people say it all that. over TV now. Because to me, freaking is just, um, it's like fudge. Like, oh, fudge. It's no, but just it a means, placeholder. It means fucking. Well, we know what it means, but but fucking is jar. If you heard fucking, like if you're watching Friends and they went, ah, fucking Ross. <laughs> no, no, you, I, you would be a throw, but if they go, ah, you know, a freaking Ross, you just, right. just keep moving. No, I'm not arguing that, that it, it is anywhere equal to fucking. I'm just saying that freaking is yeah. a lot dirtier of a word than the FCC well, sort of takes like, it. I think scumbag, Does that make sense? a scumbag actually is a condom. But, right. But see, that's sort of like the whole, if you call someone a butthead, I'm not picturing anything. And when I hear freaking i'm not picturing anything i agree with that but, but people, i get what people say saying. freaking and friggin all the time and f- I, I don't know i find them you think you find frigging to be jarring frigging yeah really yeah really did what? you send this letter in it's huh? no it's it's not that bad of a word but i for how much it's said on tv i i think it's what about effing effing's just stupid oh that's one i use all the time on I, tv i said talk to you <laughs> uh, no, in real life, I'll say effing this effing guy, that effing guy. I think it, I, I, to me, it sounds funny to me mm-hmm. to say effing. Uh, we all know what I mean, but, uh, you know, I don't know. That's effing funny. Yeah. See, what's wrong with that? I effing like it. Does, so on my, I do this show Mondays and Thursdays, and on Thursdays there's a panel of us, and Jenna Kim Jones is one of the panelists on Thursday, and she's a clean, quote unquote, or maybe not in quotes, comedian does she get out of my face and shut your dirty mouth <laughs> does she say freaking no freaking? i don't think so no no okay all right do you want to here's a quick anecdote for you i went to uh hypnosis to try to stop saying fuck how'd that go not well not well because you need to replace it with something and so she you know she was like let's replace it with freaking and uh that just it, it felt stupid to me because it has no impact at all um <laughs> So I didn't, it didn't take, it right. didn't, I didn't take now. Uh, so I went, like I bought a package like for eight. Uh, so we, for seven sessions, we're getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. So on the eighth one, she even like, admitted defeat. She's like, I, you, you're not, you're not willing to accept. You have to replace that word, which I agree with. I was, I was uh, part of the problem. Do you have any other problems? This is hundred percent true. I said, I can't stop chewing on straws. That's true. I could not stop chewing on straws. She goes, well, let's deal with that today. I have not chewed on a straw in 10 years. Wow. So I, I'm here to say that hypnosis works, just not for getting rid of the word fuck. It, Why did you want to get rid of it? Because I say it way too much. Way too much. It's, and especially on stage. It's like mm-hmm. I say it uh, not as much as other people do, but I say it a lot where nothing in my act requires it. Right. Nothing. Only, only one. There's only one joke in my act that requires me to say that word. Otherwise, it's really just a, uh, you know, I don't know. Crutch? Yeah. I don't know. Just... I, 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 I wish I can get rid of it. Mm. Um, here's a weird thing that happened to me. I had surgery four years ago, and it was the first time I ever had general anesthesia. And in the recovery room, I was really out of it. And every near, I just remember like almost every word that came out of my mouth was a swear word. I was like, what? I am the most crass person. Like, peel back a layer of cognition. And then it made me think how oftentimes, um, this is not flattering to me, but schizophrenics, what, or like people who are talking to themselves on the street, what they're saying is really profane. Right. And, uh, yeah, it just made me think that when you're sort of peeled back towards your lizard brain, it's a bunch of, of uh, profane shit that comes out. Although I wasn't saying creepy weird shit. 
I was just saying a lot. There's a lot of fucking shit coming out of my mouth. Okay. All right. Have you ever Googled to see if that's common? No, I should. I wonder if it is. I should do that. Dustin Smeltz says, just mirror everyone, get annoyed when people pronounce S words with unnecessary H's, i.e. schwag, schvelt, or schfinkter. You know, I always thought it was schwag, and the first time I heard someone say swag, that sounded weird. But the other ones, uh, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Leave that H out. Uh, I think it's somebody always trying uh, hard to uh, be hip. Yeah. When they go, oh, we'll get some swag. And it's like, just say it. You know, mm-hmm. you're saying it. Don't pretend that you're distancing yourself from it. Right. So I'm with this guy. I used to do a ton. I wonder if I still do. I used to do a ton of that distancing myself, not necessarily by putting the H in, but just by my intonation. Yeah. And then if you listen back, it's not clear at all what the person's doing. They just sound affected. I 100% agree with that. And, but I think we're all guilty of it. It's a thing that people don't talk about often, that thing where you try to distance yourself. I'm going to say it, but I'm not really going to commit to it. Right. So, and we all know that, right? It's the tone equivalent of putting air quotes around everything, except that it doesn't con- convey what you're trying to convey. It just conveys some weird verbal tick. Uh, it's like, why, why is she all of a sudden talking like that? Right. Yeah, why, uh, right. Sh- why did she get louder and go <laughs> up? Val Perkins says, whenever I rearrange my house, I'll spend time days later looking for something, then I make a mess. I don't rearrange my house very often. Uh, but I could uh, envision that happening. Such this one's not playing well in the room. As a child, I would uh, rearrange my bedroom all the time, like to put the bed in different locations. Cause Wasn't it, that fun? It, it was fun. Yeah. But now as an adult, no, we're, we're good. <laughs> Furniture is where it should be. And right. uh, I see no reason to... Move things around. Yeah. Jeff? Jeff? I don't, yeah, I don't rearrange much, but the only time I would look for something is if it's in a drawer somewhere. And so if I moved a dresser from one place to the other or a cabinet from one place to the other, so my the mind would still say, oh, it's in that drawer, but the cabinet's over there. So. You know what I do? And this is probably my mistake is I leave the furniture over there and just switch the drawers. And boy, oh. is that confusing. <laughs> oh, boy. So maybe that's what that person's talking about. Jeff, you're a super organized person. I have my moments. Are your drawers all really organized? Because my drawers are disastrous. No, they're kind of a mess, but there's there's like a method to the madness. Like there there's a a general theme overview direction for where things are. Pardo. What do you think? OCD. Oh, you have organized drawers. Oh my good lord! The, all the uh, black socks are in one drawer, folded nicely. The athletics are in the second drawer with the uh, your crew on one side, your uh, ankle on the other. Is your closet a wonder? My, a sight to behold? It is. Uh, uh, if you're asking, do I organize my shirts by color? The answer is yes. What do you do with clutter in general? Oh, I hate it. Oh, do I hate clutter? I hate it, hate it, hate it. And which is easy with an eight-year-old boy. There's certainly no clutter around <laughs> the house at all. Yeah. Uh, I think I've gotten looser. I would imagine two people in my house would tell you that I haven't. Uh, but uh, I'm not good with it. Is your wife tidy? Uh, she is um, not as much as I am. And how does that work for you guys? Uh, if there's any tension in my relationship, that's the only tension. You know, hey, hey, we done with this class? I'm still using it. You know, mm-hmm. that's an example of a conversation that may that- have happened. <laughs> Ken L says, at the airport, I carry on. Okay. At the airport, I carry on luggage watch more than people watch. And. No, I don't think I do that. 
I mean, occasionally I'll see someone and I'll think, the gumption to be trying to carry all that on. That doesn't fit in the overhead bin. Right. Like, you are definitely, definitely trying to get way too much on the plane. I'm surprised they're letting you on. Uh, But that's just a thought I have. It's not a hobby. Now, once I get on a plane and I'm near my seat... I'm checked out. But what yeah. if you're sitting there? Because uh, I, I, I'm not going to dismiss this guy. Um, I don't think I do it as much as he does. But I, 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 I do know that I'll go. Oh, they got a nice bag. Oh, oh what's that? Oh, oh I see. There's a handsome guy. That yes. guy probably has a nice. Oh, that's that guy should have a better bag than that. Yes, I will do I that. I get what you're saying. Yeah, if that's what he means, then yeah, I'll do that. You oh know yeah, what? like like when you see that guy with the overhead or the, the carry on case that's the aluminum one that. You can tell it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it might be Oh, that's me. cool. Yeah. yeah. Or the or the other way where you see a guy who looks really together and he's got a, a bag with a, like without wheels on it. You're like, really? You you're, you're sticking with that bag that mm-hmm. is uncomfortable. It's it, it's not helpful. Uh, but then you see and, you feel, and then you kind of feel bad for them for a minute and then you realize again he's very handsome and strapping and uh, he's doing okay. Sometimes I'll see people with with disheveled tote bags and tons of stuff smushed in there, including a rolled up poster. <laughs> How many people are traveling with posters? Right, but you see it more often than you should. You really do. Yes. Ken L. also says. Oh, Ken's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> While getting my water at the soda fountain, I sneak in a spritz of soda. Um, I have done the thing where I'm getting a Diet Coke and then I'll be like, I'm going to get a splash of lemonade or something. But it, water with a spritz of soda, that doesn't sound good to me. I've tried that and it's not good. Right. Nah. What kind of things do you drink, Jimmy Pardo? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wonder if there's some... Uh... I'm addicted to Coke Zero. Okay. Addicted? Yeah. It's better than Diet Coke. Uh, much think. better. And I also love uh, Arizona green tea. I'll drink that like an a-hole. Those are the two <laughs> things. And then water, because you got to stay hydrated. I mean, yeah. it's good for the system. It's true. They say that. I'm not a big water fan. Wow. I Matt Belknap, my, uh, my co-host on my podcast, is, uh, stands up about uh, the drinking water is a waste of time. Really? Yes. That you get enough water in the things that you eat. He maintains. I think he's nuts. Is his urine orange? Let's find out. Do you want to find out? Yeah. Not via his urine, but just via him. <laughs> Matt, what color is your urine? Uh, it's going to be yellow. Is it closer to clear? Yeah, you can. Closer <laughs> to clear. But you drink a lot of water even though you're against it. He only drinks water? Yeah, he only drinks water. Oh, so he drinks water. He just doesn't think he needs He doesn't think he needs the eight uh, glasses like they say. But it sounds like he drinks that much if he's not, if his output is not sun yellow. I think he's full of shit. Okay. You and I both. (laughs) NP apparently. (laughs) C. Glasp says... Just mirror everyone. Never sure if it's affected with an A or oh, affected with an E. Oh God! There's, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. That may be the biggest problem I have in in the world. Like I know there's world hunger. Mm-hmm. I know there's that. But affected and affected, I go through. I stress. I literally will get sweats because I don't want to send the wrong one in an email and right. then have the person go. Well, it actually was affected. Like I, I, I panic. That nothing, nothing in the world panics me more than this. Nothing. 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 And I'm sure people have explained to you before. Now, affected and effected are the hard ones for you or effect and effect? I don't know what kind of effect it's going to have. Like That That would be E. That's a noun. Effect is a noun. Affect with an A is a verb. Like, um, we're going to affect change would be an A. You know what? I can tell I'm just stressing you out. No, you're not. No, no, no. This, is, this may be the 
and, and I'm by no means dumb. I'm not smart, but uh, but this is the one thing. So, all right. So if I say, uh, all right, how about this? Uh, let me give you an example. Okay. Um, for in fact, for this very podcast, we uh, I for my podcast, I uh, in the uh, initial letter that I uh, drafted years ago. We are also a video podcast. If that affects what you decide to wear, a. Well, I received that email, and I didn't. I didn't uh, think. Oh, look at this dumb shit! Now I'm being very vulgar. I think you use the right one. If that, if, if that, if, let's this, see how. Let's see how that affects play. Mm-hmm. That's an A. That's an A. Well, see now, all of a sudden, I'm like, what if I'm saying the wrong thing? See what I mean? People this- certainly will let us know, but I'm pretty certain. I, I don't think I messed this one up. This one I know. Comma placement is a whole other thing. Oh, Christ. I once got a sentence. Somebody sent me an email with a sentence that had four pair, uh, four commas, and I thought they were the wrongest person in the world, and it turns out they were right, And uh, but it seemed bananas to have four commas in one sentence. Who was this comma user? Do you remember? This is going to be sorry. It was Captain Comma. <laughs> it was uh, the, the superhero, the children's uh, hero. It was a teacher, believe it or not. It was a teacher. Oh. And I guess maybe, maybe, maybe she still was wrong, but I just went, well, it's a teacher. She's not... It's not going to be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, that one I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm sure there's exceptions, but I, I'm not sure. I just, exceptions I'm allowing, or exceptions? I'm allowing for there to be exceptions. Effect with an E is a noun. Affect, but pronounced effect with an A, is a verb. But then this person's talking about affected or effected. Uh, I don't know if the outcome will be affected. I think that's still A. I think that's A. Weather is going to affect this game. See what I mean? I think it's A. So confusing. You don't know whether weather will affect this game or not? I know that's a lot of weathers. And Carl Weathers may be at that game. <laughs> he was in Rocky. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm me like it's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing that you've ever heard in your life, even though it may have been. <laughs> Ashley Kirk says, just me or everyone, it really annoys me when people tag me in posts on Facebook when I am not with them. Yes. Yeah, why is that happening? Why would anybody do that? Well, I think she's talking about someone will be like, it's spam, basically, and you get tagged in it. But maybe she's actually not talking about that. Maybe she's talking about people just want her to see the thing. Like, hey, went to the movies with uh, Jeff and Allison and Susie. (laughs) Like or, or or they tag her name at the end of it uh, for no reason, yeah. and then she sees that you went to the movies, right? And then it's it makes her feel thing. bad about herself, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's everyone who hates that. Yeah, nobody likes that. And lastly, Kristen Marie says, "Over just me, everyone. Over time, remember mediocre TV shows as better than they really were. Retain the good, forget the bad." Well, look, she's making a reference to Facts of Life, and I have gone back and I've watched Facts of Life, and it holds up. No question. But there are there are things that don't hold up. The Facts of Life is not one of them. Jimmy, did you watch Emergency back in the day? Sure, of course. Do you remember it being great? I remember it being amazing. It's not amazing. No, it's horrible. It's unbelievably bad. Can I, I, f- can I flip it around on is. you? Yeah. Kojak is the opposite. Kojak is a kid who was like, oh, I, it's cool. He's a guy with bald... But if you watch it now, it 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 wouldn't even get made now. It's so edgy and and uh, at risk taking. Mm-hmm. It's great, great. 
But emergencies, no, that's it's unwatchable. It's unbelievable. It's it's like watching paint dry. It's and it's an hour long. It, every episode could easily be a half an hour and it yeah. would still be boring. There, and there's a sitcom recently we talked about on my show that was like I couldn't believe how little it held up. Like something that we all like you couldn't wait to get to school the next day to talk about. And it's like, growing oh my pains? god. No, I don't think it was growing pains. Was that not hold up? I, that one I don't know. It might not. Happy days. It might have been. I don't know. It might, I mean, Welcome back, Cotter. Certainly does not hold up. Oh my it. god! I I had a Welcome Back Cotter lunchbox. That's how much I liked. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Funniest. And it's so it's unbelievable. Awful. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my, I don't know if you know this. My brother-in-law, who's since passed away, was on Growing Pains. He was, oh uh, right, he played Boner. Played Boner. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Stabone, I think, was his. I think it was uh, was it Michael Stabone? I think I want to say it was that. But, uh, yeah. Andrew yeah. Kenny, we're speaking of, in case nobody's curious. That is correct. Yeah. That, um, well, now I'm, now I'm like, that's a whole topic to go into. Uh, and yet we're near the end. But that's such a sad. Oh, yeah. Somebody did ask that question on Twitter. Yeah. I think the question, right. I, I didn't know whether you wanted to talk about it or not. So I didn't ask that one, but I will bring it up now. It was. I didn't Okay. Do you not want to? Sure. I, I'll talk about it. But I think you're right in that it's a. It's heavy, and uh, it seems uh, we're wrapping up. Right. It seems like a, uh, your instincts are right. Uh, that uh, I think it's it's too long of a conversation. Right. But ha- okay, well, I'll just ask this one. Yeah, I can ask one. How I'll... are you? W- were you close with him, and how are you and your wife doing? Well, he was the video producer for my podcast, and so we had gotten close. Um, and. Uh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing okay. It wasn't my brother, right? Uh, he was my friend and my my wife's brother. So uh, to see the you know, it affected me. It affected Matt uh, Belknap because you know the three of us worked together on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but we should th- fill the people who don't know what yeah. we're talking about. We should fill my, them in. My brother-in-law Andrew Koenig, who again played Boner on Growing Pains, was the video producer of my podcast, uh, and he took his life. Uh, uh, five and a half years ago now, 2010. He was missing for a while he, first, right? He was missing for a week or about, about a week. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, and, and it was covered on, because he was a child right. star, it was covered on Larry King, mm-hmm. and it was covered on, uh, you know, all the time. I mean, it was on everything. It was, you know, my wife had, my wife was on Larry King, mm-hmm. and my in-laws were on other shows, and I was on some CNN shows, and we were all trying to get the word out to try to find him. Right. And, um kind of knowing the outcome you know we kind of knew not i don't want to say a fool's error and that doesn't seem fair but it's like we were doing these interviews to hey if anybody has any word to help us find them please help us knowing that sadly it's probably going to end in what we think is is happening here. right um and then they found his body and it was you know obviously devastating and it was devastating to us at never not funny and because he was a big part of the show uh he had a strong opinion politically and he was a great guy who stood up for values and stood up. It was uh, he was the moral compass of our show, and he would rattle some cages and he would piss people off because he would, you know, he 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 cared. I talk about eighties music and did about <laughs> bullshit, and he had a, a, you know, he cared about the world and um, and did something about it. Went to Burma, went to these various mm-hmm. places to to help people and change their lives. Whereas you know, I make fun of that, and so it was. Uh, I, I thought he was a great guy, and um, but so I lost my friend, but I didn't lose my brother. So Danielle is doing okay, uh, considering that her brother is not here anymore. And yeah. to see, like when my son Oliver will do something, 
that is like, oh, Andrew would have loved that, you know, like that sort of thing. And it's a shame that Andrew can't be part of Oliver's life and all of that. That 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 I think is heartbreaking from time to time. And uh, you know, my wife will break down from time to time, and uh, and she should. I mean, that's you know, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, but as far as depression goes, if I can, if please, I can have a second, please. my thought. Everybody always thinks that, in my opinion, uh, people. People just assume that suicide is a selfish thing. And everything that we have learned is that it's not. And wh- who the hell are we to make somebody who is that unhappy on this planet? Why, why should they live? For us? Right. Why should, if they're not happy, so, so to make us happy, they should live and be miserable? So, like, I, I've learned a lot about it, about depression and about suicide and all that and that. Like, I think it's more selfish of us to insist no, you must be happy and you must get along in life and you can't leave. You know, it sucks that they're gone. It sucks that that's what they felt they had to do. I'm not dismissing that. that um, and if they're, if you can get help, certainly get help. Um, I'm not saying if you have suicidal thoughts, do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that people just flippantly just go, oh, how selfish of them. Oh, look what they've done to you. Yeah, it sucks for us. But do you want to live like that? Do you want to live painfully unhappy? Whereas you don't want to get up in the morning, you don't want to face the world, you don't want to, you know, whatever is going on in his mind, I don't know exactly what it was. But why? why who, who are we to make them want to live that way? Right. Did, had he battled depression yes. for a long time? Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah. Um, as a lot of people have. Um, and you just never know how severe. And, you know, it's, cliche, it's always the cliche with suicide is when, he seemed the happiest he ever was the last month or two that he was alive. And, you know, therapists and everything would say, well, that's because they made up their mind what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And nothing was truer than with Andrew. It's like, you know, not, we saw like how he set everything up to do that, uh, what he did. And um, you only realize it in retrospect, though, right? Of what? Of, of that he was getting ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's been my because I lost someone to suicide, too. And I grew up watching after school specials. And so I you know, had it in my head that like when someone's going to commit suicide, they give you all these indications. And it's only now that I'm like, it's if someone doesn't want you to know, you you will not know. You, won't You'll know. Ha- you might have a sense that something's different or something's up, but it's really it's really hard to if someone I mean, if it's a cry for help, that's one thing. And it'll be more apparent. But if someone wants to take their life, it is really hard to know. And, I think and impossible to stop them. To that end, I think I think the people that do speak about it a lot, and, and, and I think they really don't want to. They right. want the help. Like you said, it's cry for help. They yeah. want the help. They want the counseling. They want you to rush over. Uh, and I don't think they're playing games. They truly don't want to kill themselves. I think the ones that kind of make that decision, they don't want you. Like, right. I, I'm repeating what you just said. They don't, yeah. they, they don't want you to stop it. They, they've, made, they've made up their mind. And if you stopped it, it would only like maybe. Just, I think it would just prolong. It just would prolong. They do it at a later date. Yeah. Um. So after my friend committed suicide, I went through a period of time where I suspected. I was so traumatized. I was like I suspected everyone of being suicidal, and I just was so on guard for that. Did you guys have I, that? I, I don't think so. No. You know, I, and, and and I don't know if it was because it was so public that we were just engulfed by it, you know? Right. And so like, it's like the outside world kind of didn't exist. Although I will say this, the, the never not funny was a, a, as ridiculous as that title. It never was more ridiculous. It was to have the community and to have all these people that, you know, you know, this as well as anybody, it, 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 never not funny. We're, you know, we're a four man crew. And then you had the audience, we're like a family. Mm-hmm. And so to have gone through that all together and to, and to have the support of all these people and, 
so I didn't see that. I, I, I was able to see the other side of it of, you know, the love and joy and, and, and comfort of everybody. Right. And, um, and, and yeah, and again, having it done publicly was just so, just insane, you know, and, uh, you know, people come out of the woodwork and go, hey, I didn't know that was your brother-in-law and, you know, how awful and, you know, then, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Incredibly awkward transition right now, but hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon. Really? Really? <laughs> you know, I could have gone to an even less awkward one. I could have just thrown out my Twitter handle or something, and I thought, let's just go all the way there. Can I ask a question that will bridge this nicely, maybe? Oh, please. Who does the songs for your show? That is Trap Dog, who's a musician who's been... So this show started when I was living in Brooklyn, and it was a Ustream show, and he did the music... When it was the Ustream show in the previous incarnation, and 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 I'm overjoyed that he will be. I'm doing my show at Bum, uh, yeah, live at Bumbershoot all ah. three days, and he's going to be coming out and performing the songs live at the podcast. You guys can find out more about that. There's some more info on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com/slash the Allison Rosen. Uh, get your tickets at bumbershoot.com. Hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thanks for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of the website. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. We have ringtones and singles galore. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy, touch the tushy. Touch, and you can get all these on gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. That is gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Allison Rosen. We also have the uh, song that Greg Heller made for the Al Quiz, and that's for a pay-what-you-wish amount on gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. Jimmy Pardo. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where should we go for you and throw out all of your plugs? I will. Can I say one last thing? Please. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on suicide. I don't want anybody to have heard what I just said and go, well, Jimmy Barrow's wrong. Yeah, maybe I am. I'm giving you my experience. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I apologize sure. for the disclaimer. You want to preempt all the emails. I, 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 there's I, other things they can email you about. Oh, there's plenty of other things <laughs> they hate me about. Uh, I'm sure I'm here from Jerry O'Connor. Uh <laughs> At Jimmy Pardo, and then, of course, Never Not Funny, and then I host Race to Escape on the Science Channel every Saturday at 10 o'clock. Should we have talked about that more, like at all? No. Okay. I mean, (laughs) yes, but who cares? Well, well, give us the – what. explain what that show is. Oh, come on. This has to end. No, it's never going to end. I mean that for you. I'm happy talking for the rest of my life to you. So uh, when you say stop, we stop. Right. I haven't said it yet. Uh, no, uh, Race to Escape is a great show uh, on Science Channel. A guy by the name of Riaz Patel uh, created it. I am the host of it. I am uh, honored and, and proud to be hosting it. It's great for families. Uh, and you will yell at your television in a way that you've never yelled at a game show in your life. Because uh, it's not really a game show. It's more of a social experiment. Here's what happens. There's two rooms identically prepared with the exception of the wall colors. One's a red room. One's a blue room. And if, uh, if, uh, if they're a barbershop, they're both barbershops and everything is identical. And there's two teams of three that have to compete not only against themselves, but against the other team to be the first to escape the room by solving five challenges or clues, riddles, that sort of thing. And if they can do it in 20 minutes, they win $25,000. I can't wait to yell at my TV screen. It's great. It really is. It's great. It sounds great. Yeah. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Colonel Jeff Fox. Listed on JimmyPardo.com as the number 118th least popular 
social media handle. That's right. I know. I think it's rude for me to go that low. Of I'm a surprised list. you ranked them like that, but it makes sense. I'm, Someone I'm, had to. They need to know where they're at. I'm just glad I made the list. <laughs> right. Yeah. I made the cut of the top 120. Thank you so much for being a guest oh on my the show. God, it's my honor. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 